Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 334 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, it is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good when speaking with you. Uh, Going to waste no time just diving in straight away here to the review part of the show. It took place at the Save Mart Arena in Fresno, California. This one was on ESPN Plus, and it was on... Um, I think it was on... Yeah, it was on Sky. It was on Sky over here, which was cool. Um... Yeah, let's talk about the undercard. Um, Hector Tanahara, friend of the show, now 19-1 and with a draw, a split draw over eight rounds there um, against Miguel Contreras, who's now 11-1 and with a draw. Contreras cut, uh, I believe, early on in the fight. Um, yeah, that one, I didn't actually see it, but I'm hearing like some people felt that Tanahara didn't even deserve to get the draw, to be honest, and then other people felt he just nicked it. So it seemed like it was a close fight. Um, Tanahara, I think, as well, was coming off that loss to William Zapita, so hasn't really thrown himself back in easily. He's gone in with, you know, a fairly decent opponent, so um, credit to him, but yeah, he needs to get back to... Uh, you know, that potential that he had a few years ago. Um, elsewhere on the card, we should mention um, Gabriel Flores Jr. with a win, a majority decision over 10 rounds against Abraham Montoya. Um, Flores now 21 and 1, Montoya now 21, oh, sorry, 20 and 3 with a draw. Uh, Joet Gonzalez with a win as well. He was able to TKO in the ninth round, Jail Santissima, who's now 21 and 4, but Joet Gonzalez now 25 and 2. That one was for the vacant WBO international featherweight title. Um, the main event, though, Jose Ramirez, 27-1 and now, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Jose Pedraza, now 29-4. and uh, The Battle of the Jose's is what I build it. I don't know if they actually used that. They should have done. Um, scorecards in the end, I think, I'm pretty sure that all the judges had the exact same scorecard, 116-112 to... Ramirez. Um, it was a fight I was looking forward to a hell of a lot. I've always been quite high on Pedraza. Um, very good fighter, to be honest with you. Um, and my pick, really, was Pedraza to win on points. Um, I kind of partially scored the fight. Um, I gave the first round to Ramirez, second round to Pedraza, third round to Pedraza, fourth round to Ramirez, so I had it 2-2 after four. Fifth round I gave to Pedraza. I felt Ramirez was kind of... Um, you know, struggling with the boxing skills of Pedraza. And I've always said that Ramirez will always struggle with a pure boxer. And Pedraza is a very skilled boxer with a lot of experience. Obviously, he's seen every kind of style. He's very durable. He can fight in both stances. Um, his, his foot movement is very good. His reflexes and defense are really good. 
The only thing he really kind of lacks, I guess, is power, especially at 140, and also the size as well. You could see that Ramirez is a lot, a lot um, physically bigger and stronger. Um, and yeah, my one concern was, could he get Ramirez to respect him enough and not just kind of walk through him? And at times, Ramirez did do that. Um, I gave round six to Pedraza, so I actually had it 4-2 to Pedraza in the first six. Uh, round seven was a really, really close round. I think I just about edged it to Ramirez. I gave Ramirez round eight as well, so I had it 4-4. Um, I felt that Ramirez was starting to control the pace of the fight at that point, and he was putting the pressure on Pedraza. Um, round nine I gave to Ramirez. Uh, round ten I gave to Pedraza, so 5-5. Five, five. Round 11 I gave to Ramirez. And I seem to have not written what I thought about round 12. But I think I gave round 12 to Ramirez as well. So um, I kind of had it about 7-5 to Ramirez. But I felt he, you know, he, he did win the fight. Um, you know, I don't think you could really make a case for Pedraza. Even though it was close. And the scorecards in the end, as I say, 8 rounds to 4 across the board. Um, can't really argue too much with that to be honest it was about a round away from what I saw so I didn't really have a problem with that um but yeah you know it's I guess it was expected that Ramirez would win on points I didn't think he'd be able to get uh Pedraza out of there and I think as you know as I mentioned Pedraza is a skilled boxer and will always give people like Ramirez trouble at points in the fight he did really well but, um, yeah, I just think he lacked that power, he lacked that strength, and, um, yeah, unfortunately for him, he lost the fight. Um, but, yeah, can still come back and give, you know, give good fights to loads of guys. He still is one of the top guys in the division, and he is getting very excited. Uh, exciting, I should say. Obviously, you know, Josh Taylor looking like he's going to certainly vacate all the belts and move up. That frees up four world titles. I think, honestly, Jack Catterall should probably be mandatory for all four of them, one after the other, win, lose, or draw. He deserves to be undisputed, as I said on last week's show, and I'm not going to get back into that one. But he is right up there. Um, obviously, Progre as well, you know, a complete out-and-out -out danger man. Ramirez, I want to see Ramirez and Progre fight. You've still got, uh, you know, some, some great fighters in that division, the likes of Jose Zapida, the likes of um, Pedraza, and a few guys on the come-up as well, like Gary uh, Antoine Russell, who we had on a couple weeks back. But anyways, moving on, uh, the 140 division is very hot. Moving on, though, to um, to the next card, I think we should... We should um, go to this one here. It took place at the Pachanga Arena in San Diego, California, USA. This one was on the Saturday. Um, let's start with the undercard. Um, Sky Nicholson with a win. The Australian female made her debut here. Um, a win over six rounds on points against Jessica Juarez, who's now 3-1. She was undefeated going in. Nicholson didn't really want to engage too much. Um, she kind of just kept it on the bike, you know, popped out the jab. Good movement. Um, not sure what her power's like. You know, it's kind of too early to say. And she fought a Mexican, so, uh, you know, Mexicans can absorb punches like no other, to be honest with you. But, um, no, Nicholson was pretty much on the bike, showed off the movement, showed off the jab, the boxing skills, and um, the the ability, I guess, to follow a game plan and to uh, to stay disciplined, you know, through six two-minute rounds. So, yeah, I'm excited to see her develop. 
we didn't see too much, of course, with just one fight. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves, but she could be one to watch, you know. I like the fact that she's relocated over here to the UK. She's taking her training very serious. She certainly is a boxer before anything else, which cannot be said about all female fighters at the moment. Um... Diego Pacheco, a prospect there with a win. He's now 14-0, a KO in the second round against Genk Pilana, who's 9-4 with a draw. I do want to see Pacheco stepped up. They talk very highly of him. I think he's now training with Jose Benavidez Sr., so he's in that same gym as David Benavidez and Jose Benavidez Jr., um, that's good. That's good. You know, they've all kind of got similar body types, tall and, you know, long for their weights, punches as well. Um, so, yeah, Pacheco, you know, I, I want to see him stepped up. I think it's about the right time now. He had his man down in the first and second round. He should be fighting better opposition. And, you know, he's looking good at the minute with this kind of level. And I think it's time to move on. Solomon Sissoko, a man managed by Anthony Joshua. He moved to 15-0, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Roberto Valenzuela Jr., who's now 23-3. Wasn't all Sissoko's own way, though. It was full of WBA Intercontinental Super Welterweight titles. Sissoko down in round four, as was Venezuela. So they were both down, or sorry, Valenzuela. They were both down in the fourth round. Um, but yeah, Sissoko was in a lot of trouble, man. He got dropped quite hard and he managed to get up and, you know, get back to his corner and box quite smart. He ended up winning very wide on the cards in the end. Um, Maurizio Lara, the danger man for Josh Warrington, he's now 24-2 and with a draw. If you haven't seen the fight, it's a must-watch. It's one of the most exciting fights, I guess, of the year so far. Um, I think it's kind of getting on my shortlist for fight of the year. Um, yeah. He got in with Emilio Sanchez, who's now 19-2. and two. It was a KO in the third round. Sanchez down in the first. And like I say, knocked out in round three. Very good fight, though. Um, lots of swings and roundabouts. Lara himself was hurt. And um, he can really punch, man. So, yeah, he he is a guy that, you know, we should all be taking note of at the moment. I think he can give a lot of people trouble just with his power alone. So, um, yeah, he was in another fun fight, and I can't wait to see him out again. Um, elsewhere on the card, another prospect as well, Mark Castro, now 6-0. He was down himself in round two against Julio Madeira, who's now 3-2, and two, but in the end, a unanimous decision over six rounds there for Castro, who got dropped and, um, you know, got back up, and I was very impressed. He didn't he didn't get desperate. He completely went back to being disciplined, not really taking any unnecessary risks in the fight, and he boxed really good, actually, after being dropped. So I, I, I think that answered a few questions there. Um, elsewhere on the card, a draw between Ankel Fierro, who's now 19-1 and with two draws, against Juan Carlos Borgos, who's now 34-6 and with three draws. Um... I did watch that fight, I just can't really remember much of it, to be honest with you. So I'm going to jump straight to the main event. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, now 51-3. and A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Julio Cesar Martinez, who's now 18-2. and Martinez missed the weight despite... Uh, you know, moving up in weight for this fight. Obviously, he is the WBC flyweight world champion. He moved up in weight for this fight and still came in um, over two pounds over the over the weight. I believe it was in the end, if I'm not mistaken. It was for the vacant WBC Diamond Super Flyweight title. 
which of course Martinez wasn't eligible to actually win the belt. But yeah, the fight itself, I mean, I was so impressed with Chocolatito. Um, the only way I can describe it, it was surgical. You know, Chocolatito broke Martinez down. The accuracy, the shot placement, you know, the variety of the shots. He was incredible. He really was. And Martinez, for me, has always lacked, I think, basic boxing skills. But he's never really needed them, to be fair to him. He's a total powerhouse with heavy hands. He's got superhuman strength and he's got a rock-solid chin. And we saw that. Uh, demonstrated in this fight many times. Chocolatito was catching him with big shots, you know, rocking his head back and stuff like that, and it wasn't really budging him. And Chocolatito as well, I guess at his old age, dare I say, uh, with that with that experience, um, you know, he, he had to be careful at times and defensive-minded, but also offensively the bully. So it was extremely clever to, to watch him get to work. It was a pleasure. And... He was just far cleverer, clever, clever, yeah, cleverer, far, far more intelligent than Martinez in the ring. Um, but yeah, the chess match itself was just constantly intriguing. And uh, Martinez, I mean, he's got that Mexican warrior heart for sure. But he, he took a bit of a beating, to be honest. He took a bit of a hiding. And um, you could maybe give him one or two rounds over the 12, I think. But yeah, Chocolatito looked amazing. And to be honest, as good as he has looked. Um, in recent years, you know, he just looks like such a handful and he's really rolling back the clock. So I cannot wait to see him out again. And Martinez, it'd be interesting to see how he comes back, to be honest with you. Um, he was on such a great run and at the minute he obviously suffered a loss there at the weight above to a fantastic fighter. But the way he got beaten was a little bit demoralizing, I think, at times. He had Canelo ringside um, screaming instructions that he just couldn't seem to follow. Uh, that is it, though, for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning English super welterweight champion. It is, of course, Mr. Sam Gilly. Sam, welcome back on the show, my man. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me again. Hey, it's my pleasure, my man. So, we last spoke back in March of last year. Uh, it's been a little while, of course, a uh, year exactly. We spoke in the build-up to the fight against Danny Ball. Obviously, the fight didn't go the way you wanted it to. You lost a close decision over 10. Um, what can you tell us, Sam, about that fight? What do you take away from it? Because, obviously, it's important to turn a loss into a lesson moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that... Um... I mean, it's probably one of the best things that's happened to me, really, because competing at welterweight while I was a bit younger, it worked. But um, that was just one too many times, and it was a, uh, it was the lesson at times to times to move up and um, and feel good when I'm at, at a weight rather than um, feeling like I'm absolutely drained. But um, yeah, it was a it was a good lesson, good fight. Um, but the main thing was we, we moved up and um, and look what's happened the second we moved up. It's, um, it's been good. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, for you to acknowledge the the loss, uh, you know, as a as a as a lesson, something you can build from is obviously important. Um, after the loss, Sam, I know obviously you probably knew straight away you needed to move up in weight. But were you at any point in a bad place? I know you did a little bit of. Um, I know you went down to Camden, bought a nice Belgian waffle with a mountain of ice cream on top. Were you in a bad place? <laughs> uh, nah, not really, mate. I mean. Listen, Danny's Danny's a great kid. Um, in sport, someone's got to be a loser. 
Like and um and I knew the reason I lost was was down to the weight. So it wasn't like I was like, Oh, am I good enough? Am I this and I, I felt horrendous and I still only just got beat. So it wasn't it wasn't a lack of quality, it was just it was just how I felt. So it was just one of them things. It took me a couple of weeks to dust myself down, a few waffles and a bit a good bit of ice cream and I was all right. <laughs> And your comeback fight was against Daniel Larty. I was there at York Hall that night. You shut him out over six rounds. Um, only three weeks later is when you obviously boxed for the for the vacant English title in Birmingham. I didn't yeah. see that fight. Obviously, you won by knockout in the fourth. You become champion. Talk to me about the fight and how you know it felt to add another belt to your collection, the English title. Oh, I mean that, that's just. Um, I mean, them three weeks were just mad. I mean, after the uh, after Daniel Larty fight, I think it was. Four, four or five days later, we was at um, my uh, my second corner man Ross. It was his wedding, and uh, I was sat at the table after the speeches, and uh, I was eating a little bit of cheesecake, <laughs> and uh, Rod comes sprinting at me from over the room, and he was like, "Put that down!" I went, "Why? Were you fighting again in three weeks?" I was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> it was for the English title, and I was like, "No way!" I was like, "Have you have you managed that?" And um, and then it was straight, literally the next day, straight back into the gym, and um. And then we was in Birmingham, and uh, the, the fight was uh, the fight went exactly how we expected. But um, to add that title at such a short like short notice was um, was absolutely perfect. Must have been a challenge to uh, fight your sweet tooth there, put the cheesecake down for the for the English title. Um, to, to be nah, to be fair, Rod let me finish the cheesecake. <laughs> Good man, I, was, Rod. I, was, I was still light, so he uh, he let me finish the cheesecake. I was thinking I'd have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> oh good. Your next fight's been announced. You'll be defending your English title against the undefeated Drew Brown, April fifteenth at York Hall. Uh Drew obviously hasn't boxed for almost three years. Tell me, Sam, um other than the layoff, what do we know about your opponent here? Uh I know he's the first person I've boxed is taller than me. Um I know, I've, I've I've me and Rod have both watched there's not a lot on him really. I mean I yeah. I've Watched, I've watched uh, the Kevin McCauley fight and the final of the Boxer tournament. But um, yeah, it's all upright. But um, it's just gonna. It's, at the end of the day, you just got to find a way to beat whoever's put in front of you, haven't you? So you can watch them all you like. But on the night, like where he's been out of the ring for three years, he could have changed things. So he's going to be a bit of an unknown, unknown uh, quantity until uh, until we've got him in front of us. But. Um, yeah, we, me and Rod have got a good uh, a good plan lined up. We don't see him lasting too long. And the fight was originally scheduled, I think it was for last month. The fight fell through. It's been rescheduled quite quickly, which is good. But what happened for the delay, Sam? Oh, so it was it, it was no one's fault. It was just um, we we was on a small hall show back in Birmingham, and um, there was an opportunity to go onto a uh, onto a Hennessy Channel Five show um, the, the month after, and uh, and that obviously didn't happen. Um, when that when that TV card fell through, it was too late to go back to the original date of uh, of March because then it it was we was literally like four weeks away from the date. So and obviously you can't just steam through to a camp thinking you're going to fight in a, in um at the, uh, in at the start of April or the end of March, whenever it was, and then go back and uh, and, and then just jump straight in. But because um, we have you have to taper off and make sure you peak at the right time. And it was just too late for both of us to uh, to have a proper camp. Okay, fair enough. And where can people buy tickets for this fight, Sam, April 15th? Tickets are off me. Um, they come through the door yesterday. So um, if anyone wants any, give me a message on Instagram, Facebook or, or on Twitter. And um, 
and I'll sort them out for you. It'd be a good, uh, it's a great card. So, um, yeah, everyone needs to come out and show the support for everyone that's fighting. Absolutely. And just finally, um, I wanted to get your take if you wanna, um, if you wanna share your take on any upcoming fights, any upcoming fights that you're kind of excited to see. You wanna, you wanna discuss real briefly. Uh, any upcoming fights I'm looking forward to seeing. To be fair, most of the fights I want to see haven't been made, but um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Canelo Canelo versus Bivol. Yeah, mate. I think sense. that's a great fight. Really, really good fight. But um, but yeah, apart from that, like every, everyone's like, I'd like to see everyone start fighting each other rather than chatting their mouth about things. Really, but um, but yeah. We, there's some great fights that can be made, but um, I mean, I went to the Brook Khan fight recently. Yeah. Um, and that was unbelievable. I mean, the atmosphere in the arena was um, was something else, especially during the ring walk, especially during Kells. But um, yeah, that was a that was a special night. That was. Okay. No real interest in in like Lee Wood, Michael Conlon, or Fury White coming up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've been uh, I've been sparring down at the um the MTK gym. I've been watching. Watching Lee do a bit of sparring, he's looking uh, he's looking very very strong. But no, I'm I'm looking forward to White versus um, White versus Fury. But um, that's another fight. I think Fury wins that quite comfortably. But um, so well, and I mean, Joshua was talking about fighting. Um, I see yesterday it could be matched with Joe Joyce, but um, I think he'll end up fighting someone like um, Lewis Ortiz. As he's a southpaw, he'll get a bit more southpaw um, experience in before he has the rematch with Usyk. That's a good idea. And just finally, any closing words, Sam, before we let you go? Say anything you like, my friend. No, just thanks for having us on, mate. And um, everyone tune in to um, to April fifteenth. It'll um, it'll be a great, it'll be a great fight. I mean, Drew's an undefeated lad, so he's going to come and bring everything, and um, and I'm going to do everything in my power to beat him. So. It'll be a great fight in the night, and uh, and then I can eat some more ice cream after. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, Sam, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you again. For those listening, remember to reach out to Sam on Instagram or any kind of social, and he has tickets you can purchase off of him. Um, but, yeah, Sam, thanks for your time. Best of luck April 15th, and we'll catch up sometime after. Cheers, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show, uh, we're going to start here with the fact that uh, Dan Aziz has signed a long-term promotional agreement with Boxer, so that means we're going to see him fighting on Sky, obviously the undefeated British light heavyweight champion, uh, he will be boxing on March 26th as well, uh, I'm not sure if they've announced his opponent just yet, but good to see him moved in that direction, because we've got some fantastic light heavyweights domestically, and you know, people have got different opinions on who's the best and who's world level and who's not. You've got Callum Smith coming up to the division now. He's only had one fight at the weight and already he's being shoehorned into the best light heavyweight we've got just based on that one round I think he had. Um, you've got Craig Richards, you know, up there worth a mention. You've got Anthony Yard. You've got um, uh, Callum Johnson. Obviously, you've got Lyndon Arthur. However, Coming off that, that bad knockout loss to Anthony Yard, not many people, I guess, would probably think of him at the top. But, you know, domestically, we've, we're spoiled, really, with light heavyweights. So it's good to see that one there. Um, this one as well, uh, we're going to see Richard Riakpour, uh take on Dion Juma. Dion Juma has stepped in. He was, he was originally supposed to be on the undercard. 
and both of their initial opponents have pulled out with with um, with injuries, I believe. So it was going to be Fabio Turki uh, from from Italy. He was going to be boxing um, Riatpour, and Riatpour, uh, you know, the, the fight fell through because of the injury, I believe, to. Um, to Turkey, and then Dion Juma was going to be boxing Mikel Lawal. It was set to be a really good fight, but he got injured in training as well. So both guys from the main event and the chief support are just going to say, "Hey, let's just get it on together." And they're both undefeated as well, thirteen and zero and fourteen and zero. Should be really good. Dion Juma's been treading water for many, many years now, man. I think he must be in his mid thirties. He just hasn't been able to get it going. Hasn't really had a big time promoter behind him or anything like that, and. He's been kind of, yeah, it's just been a weird one. I think he was boxing abroad as well. It's been really hard for him to get to get any kind of real momentum going, and this is his chance. It's on the big stage. Quick little fun story about Richard Riakpour. One time he posted a clip of a impressionist doing a Mike Tyson impression, and he said, oh, my God, this has got to be like the best Mike Tyson impression I've ever heard. Is there anyone that can do it any, like, is there anyone that can do it better than this guy? And I'm not going to name any names, but this impressionist is a talented impressionist, but his Mike Tyson just isn't better than mine. So I sent the guy a... I sent Richard Bratpour, um, you know, me doing my Mike Tyson impression. And Richard Bratpour said... Like, he laughed it off and said, oh, you know, you, you sent me a clip of Mike talking. I meant an actual impression, you know, like, that. that's actually Mike talking. I said, it's not Mike talking, it's me doing the voice. So then I sent him a, a voice note back, and um, I started talking about his actual career, which, of course, Mike Tyson, uh, I don't, you know, all respect to Riakpour, but I don't think Mike Tyson's watch watching uh, Riakpour's fights on a Saturday night. So I sent him back this this voice note talking about all of his recent fights and he couldn't believe it. So, uh, yeah. And I want to get him on the podcast, but it seems like a bit of a challenge. So, um, yeah, he's impressed by my Mike Tyson voice, but can't seem to get him on the show just yet. Anyways, in other news, Connor Ben will be boxing April the 16th um, at the AO Arena in Manchester. He gets it on with... Chris Van Heerden of South Africa. So um I'm not I'm not overly buzzing about that fight. It's another sidestep kind of thing in you know, with with the likes of your Vargases, your your Adrian Granados, it's 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 kind of that pool, um that, that level pool, I guess, you know, at welterweight. So I'm not expecting Van Heerden to put up much resistance, but you know, he looks like he's in tremendous shape, by the way. The pictures I've seen, he looks like he's really in great shape. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting him to be able to do too much. Uh, we're also going to see a rematch on the undercard between Chris Billum Smith and Tommy McCarthy, obviously at cruiserweight there for the for the European cruiserweight title. That's going to be great because that was a really really close fight the first time round. So looking forward to that one there. Um, a few other guys on the bill as well. I think we're going to see Jack Cullen. Um, Cyrus Patterson, Campbell Hatton, Jordan Thompson, Zelfa Barrett. So yeah, a few guys there based in that area. Um, what else do we have? What else do we have? Um, Tim Sue will be making his much anticipated US debut. He gets in the ring with US Olympian Terrell Gaucher, um, former world title challenger. That one to take place March 26th in Minneapolis at the Armory. Seems like there's a lot of fights going down on March 26th. 
Um, anyway, that's it for the news. Moving on to the preview part of the show. Going to try to go through this as quick as possible here. Um, this one takes place tomorrow night in Canada. Montreal Casino in Quebec. We've got Gabriel Maestra. That's the guy who got the gift decision against Michael Fox. He's 4-0. Should be 3-1. He's in a 10-rounder against um, the undefeated 2012 Ukrainian Olympian Taras Sheletsuk, who has a record of 19 and 0, but hasn't really kind of had that that uh, big name as a pro. So this is his chance. No belt on the line. So I think Maestra isn't isn't uh, the interim world champion anymore. So I'm not sure what's going on about that one, but doesn't seem to be a belt on the line. Um, what else do we have? This one takes place on the zone uh, in Nottingham at the Nottingham Arena. Uh, should be a good one. I'm really looking forward to a couple fights on this card, actually. We've got Terry Harper returning to the ring after a knockout loss, uh, losing her world title to Alicia Baumgardner. She is 11-1 with a draw. This one's for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Female Lightweight title. Obviously, she's moved up from Super Feather. Um, she gets in with Yamila Abelaneda, who's 13-4 with a draw. It was supposed to be... Um, Heather Hardy, I'm not sure what's happened there, but obviously that's not happening anymore. Uh, we've got Sandy Ryan, 3-0, a girl that they're looking to really fast track. She gets in with Erica Farias, who's 26-5. and I'm not sure if she used to be a world champion or she's boxed people, uh, you know, boxed for a world title. I'm sure she's definitely one of the top-level females. So that's a big step up there for just her full fight. We've got Cal Minagyako, 10-0 in a 10-rounder against Juan Carlos Rubio, who's 18-1. Uh, that one's for the WBA International Middleweight title. We've got Gary Cully, 13-0 on a heck of a run in a 10-rounder against a guy who really and truly should never come back to the UK due to the poor officiating he's been on the receiving end of. Miguel Vasquez, former world champion, now 44-10. and um, Got robbed against Luis Ritson disgustingly and got... Um, robbed, not as bad, but you know, he definitely got robbed as well against O'Hara Davies. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a really good fight because Gary Cully has been on a bit of a run. You know, he's knocked out a couple decent fighters, but Vi you know, Vasquez is a very tough guy. So if he knocks out Vasquez, it's a big statement there for Gary Cully. And the main event, Lee Wood, 25 and 2, defending his WBA featherweight world title, his first defense after knocking out. The Chinaman Kanzu. He gets in with the undefeated Michael Conlon, 16 and 0. Conlon is the favourite, which I'm a little bit um, stunned by, to be honest, because I'm one of those. I'm not a detractor of Conlon by any means, but I haven't been overly impressed, and a lot of people share that same opinion. And um, even though Lee Wood has kind of, you know, shown his level in the past, he, he wasn't anywhere near world title level, but that. That performance last time out under the tutelage of, of Ben Davison, he looks a completely different fighter. That version against any version, really, uh, of Michael Conlon as a pro, you'd have to favour Wood in my eyes. So I think I'm going to have a sneaky little punt there on the on the underdog, who is the world champion currently, Lee Wood. Um, but yeah, Michael Conlon gets his chance here, and it is... Uh, it's, it's about the right time as well. They need to kind of get him moving now. Um, you know, turn pro the same time as Shakur Stevenson. And Shakur Stevenson, two-weight world champion, undefeated, got a bunch of names on his resume. And Michael Conlon, I mean, this is his biggest fight by far. 
Um, but yeah, all the best to both guys. May the best man win. I don't really care too much. Um, and this one is the final card to mention. It takes place at the Rebel Entertainment Complex in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This one takes place on Sunday. It's a fight that no one really asked for, but it's going on and I'm going to mention it because I like these kind of strange fights. We've got Samuel Vargas, 31-7 and with two draws. Uh, he's fighting here for the vacant IBO International Welterweight title against Prism Slorinowski, 19 and 2. The two losses come into um, Michael McKinson and it was Josh Kelly who took his O. Um, so yeah, that one is interesting. Ranowski, not a puncher, but very, very durable, and so is Vargas, to be honest with you. So um, uh, aside from when he boxed Conor Ben, but you know that one there, you'd you'd think has has got. Um, points written all over it, all over it, but we shall see. Um, Eddie, I have literally gone through the review part. I didn't come to you there. I've been going so fast. The preview part, I didn't come to you there. The news, I feel like you haven't said anything, so I'm just gonna come to you at the end. And if you want to add anything about anything, um, please take it away. And I apologise for not coming to you earlier about something. I just couldn't find the right time. No, it's all right, man. I understand. I mean. Honestly, I didn't see a lot of what went on last week. Um, I didn't really even hear much, you know what I mean? So I can't really be upset about nothing. And I actually, I don't mind listening to the show, Joe, like while you do it. <laughs> I'm just appreciative to be here, you know what I mean? Um, if, you need, if you ever need anything, obviously, all you got to do is call on me. And even with some of the news, there's really not anything that, you know, I don't want to say piqued my interest. There's, there's interesting things, but... Um, Nothing I can I can really speak on, but uh, the show was great. Continue to watch and listen. <laughs> Absolutely, I can't say it any better myself. Um, yeah, there will be a lot more um, Eddie in the coming weeks, of course. That you know, I definitely want your opinion on, especially as we get closer and closer to Dillian White and Tyson Fury, which. It's going to come around so quickly. It's like, what's it? I think six weeks away now. So we're we're really approaching it fast. Mm -hmm. We've got a card coming up as well um, next weekend. Uh, a couple cards as well to mention. So hopefully we can sink our teeth into them next week. And um, a little little side note, Dave Allen in action as well next week as well. So it will be interesting. Uh, that is it though oh, yeah. for the preview part of the show. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 334 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A special thank you to our special guest this week, the reigning English super welterweight champion, Mr. Sam Gilly. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Remember, if you do get a chance to leave us a review on iTunes, please do. It really does mean a lot. Other than that, enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.